Welcome back in listeners to a very exciting episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have two very incredible guests joining us today. We have producers, curators, and artistic directors, James Clements and Sam Hood Adrian, who are from What Will the Neighbors Say Theater Company, presenting Storytime at the Cell. And they have three shows coming up you don't want to miss on Monday, April 17th, Monday, May 15th, and Monday, June 19th, which is going to be an incredible show. All of these shows are going to be done at the Cell Theater. And I'm sure you're buzzing with the same question I am. What is story time at the Cell? But that's why these fine gentlemen are here to talk to us, but we are honored to have them. So let's bring them on now. James, Sam, Welcome to Whisper in the Wings. Hi, Andrew. Hi. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so happy, excited to be here. I'm very excited to speak with you. As we were speaking previously, apparently the world is a lot smaller than than I thought. We've <laughs> we've danced <laughs> in the same circles before. We were in the same room, in fact, last night. Though it was a little hazy, but we don't need to get into those sort of details. <laughs> but here we are now talking about this great new show, Storytime at the Cell, and I'm really excited to learn more about it. So would one of you mind telling us a little bit more about what the show is about? Yeah, so we've been doing different iterations of this community event story time for, I think, six years, Sam. 2017, we started it. Uh, the premise is very simple. There's a lot of beauty in just the simplicity of it. It is that stories matter and sharing stories as a way in which human beings can connect with one another engender empathy for each other and find commonality together so the premise of these nights have always been a theme is chosen for each story time that theme is then interpreted however it it comes to folks who attend um the event there's an MC and a band who both theme their sets around the topic of the night. And then patrons who come are free and welcome to tell stories throughout the evening that relate to that theme in any way for that is meaningful to them. Our only kind of mandate is we ask that the stories be true, which again, truth is in itself <laughs> a fickle concept. So pr pretty open structure in that way. We've done it in breweries. We've done it in bars. We've done it digitally during the lockdowns in 2020 and 2021 with some fabulous artists. And the programs allowed us to reach, you know, many thousands of patrons here in New York and throughout the world, throughout Europe and South America through our digital episodes. And we were very fortunate to receive a three-year funding commitment from the Cultural Development Fund. And we're going to be using our first year award for this iteration of Storytime, which I will maybe hand over to Sammy to chat about a little more. Yeah, I I have to say, like, I really love this event. I love that we've been doing it for so long and that it's had so many different lives, so many different versions of it. And I'm really, really pumped for this new iteration. So yeah, as James said, we got this grant to sort of put on three really fabulous free events. And so we're doing it at Nancy Manocherian's The Cell Theater, which is in Chelsea. It will be the first time that we're doing this event in a theater and not a bar. So that's really, really great. One thing that we're doing to sort of expand this event is it was originally 
just stories. We invited folks to come. James or I would host the event. And it was fabulous, but it felt like there was a kernel of something that was missing. And we realized that that was live music and entertainment. And music is its own form of storytelling. And so we've now combined forces and are having these fabulous musicians work with us to sort of keep the night going and inspire the stories. So for this version at the Cell Theater, we are going to have a different host for each of the three events that are happening in April, May, and June. And we'll have a different musical guest for each of those events. And we can't talk about the sort of second two events yet. We're still in negotiations with some really fabulous people, but we can say mm. that for the first event, the host is going to be Xavier Reyes, who is an actor and performer who worked with us in 2019 on a piece about Puerto Rico. He was recently in Clyde's at George Street Playhouse and was also on the national tour of Kinky Boots. He's a fabulous person. So he is going to be the host. And then our musical guest is going to be Catherine Allison, who is a fabulous performer, currently in Hercules at the Paper Mill Playhouse, was recently in the Broadway revival of Company, as well as Wicked and Aladdin, and has a fabulous EP out, is a fabulous solo artist as well. So she'll be doing the music for the event. And then sort of the last piece of this puzzle with the new version of Storytime is writing workshops. So we have asked a fabulous collaborator of ours, Daniela Gonzalez y Perez, who's a Latina writer, director, performer, to do a free writing workshop in conjunction with this event about turning personal stories into pieces of writing. And so that's going to happen on Zoom the day before the event. And we'll be having different writing workshops before each of the events in May and June as well. So that'll be happening on April 16th. And I'm not exactly sure what they have planned yet, but it'll be an hour long. It'll also be free and it will tie into the theme of the night. So that was super broad strokes, but that's what we've got going on. And I forgot to mention the most important part, which is there's going to be an open bar and food as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, truly like something that's really important in, in all of our community work, I think especially with story time, is, you know, accessibility in terms of price point, venue, location, and kind of culture of the event and vibe are paramount for everything we do, I think especially in our community work. So you will come to this event and spend no money on tickets, no money on food, no money on drinks, no money on merch, no money on seeing this fabulous musical set. We just want to create a space we're honored to create a space for people to gather. And for us, that accessibility looks like the cell being fully ADA compliant and also it being entirely free at access point for everyone. This all sounds so amazing. Like I'm already sold on just the storytelling and then you compound it with, you've got live music, you've got the great food, the drink, and then just all this really powerful, I don't want to say social like impact that you want. It's, it's like establishing community. So I Absolutely. love what you're doing with this. And we, I just want to say, Andrew, totally agree. And we owe a huge debt of gratitude to the moth, to those programs you mentioned, you know, that, that as we always say, there is nothing new under the sun. We are all storytellers and definitely that was the initial brainstorm. We just want to give credit to those that came before and did this programming in this vein before. And obviously we've turned it into our own neighbor's version for our neighborhood and our community's needs, but definitely what's that? Footsteps of giants. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. 
Yeah, and I think that even speaks to what you're saying about stories. It's so universal and ephemeral and everybody has stories and everyone has a valuable perspective. And what we can do as producers and curators is create spaces for folks to share and facilitate environments that are safe, comfortable and accessible in which they they are able to to share. That that is a great lead into my second question, which is how did you both come up with the idea to, to put this on? Yeah, I mean James is is right. I also would love to give a shout out to Phil Goldman and Live Bait, which I used to do growing up in Providence, Rhode Island. <laughs> First Friday of every month, they would this this guy Phil would host a storytelling night called Live Bait, true stories from real people. And it, I was so touched by how these complete strangers were willing to get up on stage and be really vulnerable and share their lives. And I would go my junior and senior year of high school, first Friday of every month, and I just loved it and left Rhode Island, moved to the city, and was really craving that kind of space because it was very low-key and it was very community-focused. And so when we were putting this company together in 2016, you know, there were four of us who who started the company. Now it's just James and myself running it. But we were looking for events to supplement our theatrical productions. We are mainly a company who does theatrical work and does plays of various kinds, but we knew that we wanted to do more than just that, that if we were going to formalize and become a not-for-profit, we really wanted to create events that could gather our community and gather folks together. And most importantly, we wanted to make events that were free. So we were just throwing around ideas. And I said, hey, I used to go to this thing in high school. It was so great. And it was kind of like the moth meets this. And like, could we do something like that? Like, how would we do that? What would that look like and we sort of just took that and ran with it we did the first series of events at the industry city distillery who was just getting started at industry city and they were like yeah you can use the distillery space for free we want to keep our bar open so it was not a open bar it was a cash bar but the event itself was free and sometimes it would be folks who were in the distillery in the tasting rooms sometimes it would be our folks who came and from the get, I was just so, again, impressed and honored and touched by the stories that complete strangers were willing to share. I mean, things from the mundane to the vulnerable, things of joy and of grief and the power of that. And so we really just continued. After Industry City, we did it at Father Knows Best in Bushwick. And then, of course, the pandemic came and mm -hmm. sort of derailed <laughs> the plans. But for everyone, <laughs> yeah, for everyone, right? We started doing them online. We started doing these digital versions. And that's when we started to include the music. And it was this beautiful sort of virtual space. As James said, people all over the world jumped in and told their stories. And so once we were back to in-person programming, we were like, OK, so that was great. We had these musicians who hosted and, and brought things together. Like, how can we do that in, in real life and gather in space again? And so we did a couple of events at Star Bar last spring where we sort of beta tested this new model of a host who is not James or I and a musician to or performer of some kind to sort of keep things moving. Because the truth is, when you're doing them at a bar, 
not everyone there is down to tell a story. Some people are there to mm-hmm. down some drinks, you know? And so we really needed <laughs> things to like keep the energy going and keep people engaged. And that was really the host and the music. And so we beta tested it at Star Bar and now have this model that we're doing at the cell. I think that's all of it. Did I miss anything, James? No, no, not at all. I just think to double down on some of those points, like what's been really beautiful about how the event has developed over these six years is it feels to me very much in tandem with how Sam and I have grown as artists, how our company has grown as an organization and, you know, hopefully a community hub and how our community's needs have adapted through the pandemic and through the other kind of seismic social changes of the past six years. And what's been so lovely about Storytime's growth is it is directly informed by our neighborhood feedback. You know, so talking to people either in person after the events, through digital feedback forms, through Instagram polls, and asking people, what do you need to feel safe? What do you need to feel excited? What are your um, barriers to access for events like these? And being able to be super flexible to the community's needs with the program has, yeah, just been been so much fun. These are really fun. And, and the stories that get told at the Andrew, they swing wildly, you know, people will be up there telling a really funny story that has everyone in stitches and people are participating and laughing. And then the next story might be about a serious trauma someone's held. And just watching the room fluctuate with such grace and empathy. It's just always, yeah, it's always really beautiful to, to get to be a part of for Sam and I. Yeah, I love things like that. But that leads me to my next question, which is, you know, you're developing three sh- shows we've talked about. You're curating these. How, what has it been like developing these shows this year and and curating them? What's your process and whatnot? Great question. Many, many kind of pronged response. One is uh, as a company, since the jump really, you know, apart from, I would say from our kind of second projects onwards, once we'd really established our our kind of uh, best practices, our teams have always been at minimum 75% femme, gender, non-conforming folks, and 50% global majority at an absolute minimum. So that becomes a kind of a framework for us to work in, right? To make sure that we're truly curating a range of of bodies, of positionalities, of artists on the, the bill. So that's a kind of first container that's super important to us because our neighborhood is so diverse and our, our patron group is so varied and dynamic. So we need to be sure that the, the programming we're doing matches what they deserve, quite frankly, you know, and, and what they, they uh, give to us. And then from there, I mean, Sam, I'm sure you, you can jump in and speak to this too but it's really that's the the really juicy fun part sammy and i get to open our digital rolodex i guess and just think like who who have we loved working with on shows who brought great energy who is part of different artistic and social communities that we perhaps are not reaching and who would make me excited as a patron who would make sam excited as a patron and sam and i have a lot of very overlapping tastes and a lot of very different tastes which i think is perfect because what it means is there's logistic check and balances from the company and then there's internal checks and balances from our own creative perspectives and then as much as possible consulting with the artists as we ask them about people they think would be 
also good fits. But that was my experience. It was just so much fun. It was like getting a, a sweet stop, a sweet shop. Yeah, and I think the only two things I would add, James, like one of the things that has been so fun because we got this grant award from the Cultural Development Fund, we were able to sort of punch up a little bit in terms of the types of folks that we could ask to come and perform because there was this funding. And so we have got some folks in the hopper who are really really fabulous and like normally we might not be able to work with because they are at a level that is bigger than our indie not-for-profit you know documentary theater company that has really been a game changer you know Catherine and Xavier and I actually went to college together for a few years many many moons ago and they both have blown up and I'm so so excited to have both of them doing this event together I mean Catherine Catherine truly is like one of the most talented people I've ever met in Absolutely. my life and Absolutely. she's she is just so great same with Xavier so really really excited about that and just yeah in terms of the curating particularly with this new round like decentralizing James and I from the voice of it as much as possible I mean we are just excited to be able to offer the space and create the event and and open the doors and then really hand it off to the the host and the artists and the workshop facilitator to bring their flavor to it. That's really exciting to me as an artistic director, as a producer, to to be able to offer that space. You know, as I said, when we got started, it was one of us up there on the microphone, like begging people at the bar to tell some stories. And now <laughs> so much more than that, that is just really, really exciting. So cool. Building on this, I want to ask, what is the message or thought you're hoping the audience will take away from the evening? God, it's so interesting. I think at the risk of sounding like a cop-out answer, I do think there's an element of meeting folks where they're at and each person, you know, something Sammy and I always do when we're working in educational community or professional settings is have everybody in the space set an intention for themselves for the time they're going to spend together and we always say to people, look, your intention can be, I just need to try and stay awake. Your intention could be showing up was enough for me today. And so I think there's an element of, I hope people find what they need in that moment in the community that they're in. I think for me, to give a more specific kind of personal James hope is, um, one of my favorite books is Howard's End by E.M. Forster. And there's a, a kind of very well-known passage in that book that begins only connect. And I think that is what I think about with story time is you cannot, I believe there can be no net negative of sharing respectful, safe space with other human beings where there is clear community guidelines that create an infrastructure where you can share anything and be held and uplifted. So I don't think there's a moral kind of of the story, if you will, necessarily, because there's going to be morals of every story or immoralities of every story. Those are fine too. But I think the takeaway from the event, I would hope people would walk out and say, great reminder that I am not alone and that I can be in community with people I don't know. I can be in community with people I know. I'm in community with people right now on this train home. You know, so just like tuning tuning into that frequency, uh, which can be so easy to let go of as we as we navigate our lives day to day. I think that's so well said, James, and I totally agree. And honestly, for me, like this event is really about joy. 
it's about the joy of gathering. It's about the joy of 100%. sharing and being shared, you know, like oh. whether you come to this event and just observe, because that's your intention, just showing up is enough for me, right? There is there is joy in seeing other people be vulnerable, in seeing other people tell their truth, whether it's a funny story, a sad story, a story about grief, a story about love, whatever it is, like just showing up and being part of that, even if you are an observer for the first one and then you come back in May and you're like, I'm telling a story this time. That's great. And and for me, it's about finding the joy in in that experience and and walking walking away with that and and carrying that you know into the next day and it also i hope that folks honestly just like have some fun there's going to be music <laughs> there's going to be stories there's going to be food there's going to be drinks uh -huh. there's going to be strangers there's going to be friends and like to have a monday night where you come and and do that hopefully you know folks are walking out the door feeling more full than they were when they walked in so cool. That is, I mean, you guys are perfect, like in sculpting this interview because it leads in perfectly to my final question of the first half, which is who do you hope have access to the show? So that's really important for us. Access is really something that we talk about constantly in our community events, in our educational events, and in our theatrical productions. Almost all of the shows, the theatrical shows that we do are either free or pay what you can. We do not want economic status to be a barrier to enjoying art and art making. So this event is free, full stop. You will not need to pay anything at all to enjoy this work. The only barrier is the capacity of the space that the New York City Fire Department lets people have. That is really it. That is the thing about this event. And so it is really accessible to all. And if you can't come to Manhattan, that's why we've got the virtual writing workshop the day before. You can join from your own home also for free to tell your story and turn that into a little piece of writing that you can share, that you can keep for yourself. So that will be available digitally the day before. It's gonna be on Zoom. You can sign up for all this on our website, of course. And then that that's it, it's free. And it's also ADA accessible. And so that's it, just come on by, that's what I got. <laughs> Absolutely, I think beautifully said, Sam. I would only add, or I'd only reinforce, because I think you really already said it so beautifully that this is a space that Sam and I consider ourselves to be facilitating, but not leading in a in a sense that it, it's it is created by the bodies who are in it, right? So it's 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 a kind of contract that is constantly being rewritten and edited and built with every person who walks through the door. We are are in charge of making sure it's safe and runs smoothly that we, we got that covered relax <laughs> you know have a good time have a drink but in terms of what the room needs and what the space needs it is something we're all building together and going back to that that word right in community with each other every time we meet being new and specific so if you've ever felt like there wasn't space for you in a theater or you've ever been made to feel, right? Like there wasn't space for you, for your your body, your thoughts, your your baggage. We cannot iterate enough, there is space for you. Please come and take space. You deserve it.
I want to start to kind of pick your brains a little. And I want to start by asking what shows or playwrights or composers in the past have inspired you or do you love? Mm, great question. You know, between us both, I feel like you get everything from musicals to documentary theater to stand-up comedy to dance. You know, like we, we have an eclectic taste. I think, you know, as Sam may have mentioned, we met at the Experimental Theatre Wing program at NYU. So our friendship and professional grounding for Sam and I, we've been working together for nearly 10 years. And we founded this company seven years ago and remain really, really committed artistic partners to one another and really mission mission driven in that way. So I think our grounding was experimental theater forms. So great artists like Tina Shepard and the Talking Band and uh, Sofia Mieva and Clown Jim, you know, th those those kind of people gave us a real eclectic <laughs> beginning to our understanding of theater. And then I think in terms of the work we make, which is documentary theater through a highly experimental lens, we encountered through ETW and beyond really significant teachers, mentors, and inspirations in artists that are provocative and are bold and are willing to take audiences to uncomfortable places. So for us, that includes artists like Kate Wariski, playwrights like Lynn, Not uh, Lynn Nottage and Sarah Rule, and then documentary companies or, or companies that work in, in a wide expansive documentary terms so people like ping chong dance you know folks that are in the community gave us a lot of a lot of inspiration and then in terms of kind of folks from the musical theater and comedy world i'll hand over to sam to speak to some of our influences there yeah that's so true james and and just all all correct i am a hardcore unashamed musical theater fan uh, <laughs> never be ashamed yeah, I was I like you're a mom friend <laughs> never, ever. never ever and honestly like when it comes to to musicals like next to normal really changed my life a musical that talks about grief and talks about mental illness and when i saw that show for the first time as someone who experienced grief at a young age I was, it blew my mind in terms of how expansive the medium of musical theater and theater in general can be. And I was so surprised that a show was talking about the things that it was talking about in the way that it was talking about them. And so that's sort of, no spoilers on a, you know, 10 year old musical, but the reveal, <laughs> right, that, that Gabe has been dead the whole time really shaped the way that I look at theater making and revelation and how revelation of story and revelation of space are such strong theatrical tools. Mm. And I would say that like the use of, of revelation is really big in our, in our work. So that's a huge influence on, on me in terms of like musicals and yeah, that show changed my life. And I think that it really brings a lot to the art that I make and that we make. And I think the the kind of other other big companies structures that that have inspired us. We have a lot of technology in our pieces because you know as documentary makers we're working with source material a lot. So we found really high level design, con high concept, high level design is a great way to get some of that context across without having it feel like a history lesson or God forbid like a public access cable documentary. 
country, which were, are great and are important to have, <laughs> but are not what people are coming to the theatre to see. A lot of really innovative companies like Theatre Me Too, The Neo Futurists, Elevator Repair Service, those those like ensemble-based high design companies we really looked up to them and starting to kind of move in peer circles with them at grant you know getting grants and going to events feels like we're nerding out like it must be what you know you know like the super bowl would be to a sports fan you know when we're with in the rooms with these folks <laughs> and then i think sam for me like leaders in our field that have inspired us to become you know or to continue to work towards becoming truly equity-focused leaders who are actively dismantling white supremacist tendencies in our spaces and rooms. I would say people like Randy Berry, the incredible Randy Berry of Indie Space, and her colleagues Brea uh, Clemens and Vashanti Brown. They, the leaders like that, inspire us to no end. Yeah, I, I think that there's such artistry in administration. You know, there's such, that is an art form in itself. And so great folks at Art New York and other advocacy organizations, I think, have also been big inspirations to us. We don't need to recreate the the kind of highly commercialized, white-dominated American nonprofit theater structure. And I think there was times in our company's history where... You know, there was moments where the the that that the weight of that structure of that industry structure that we were working in felt like it was almost taking us off track from the mission. And something that's so beautiful with about leading this company with Sam is both of us really care about our mission. And that is our true north. And that is what guides us and our board and our decision making. And we just feel like we can blow it all up and <laughs> have our company be however we want it to be and more importantly however our our community needs it to be so we're at a really exciting growth moment where we're i don't want to give too much away but we are going to be announcing a really exciting new board structure in the coming weeks we're going to be onboarding a new leadership role in the next year so i don't want to get too into too into the kind of weeds of it all now but I just think people like Randy, people at Art New York and artistic directors who have taken us under their wing and helped us really just showed us and encouraged us to to make the 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 theater that we want to make and and make the industry we want to be part of and that is an industry that is open to all race, gender, ethnicity, uh sexual orientations, ability, immigrant status and and that's what we're trying to do and of course we make mistakes and of course they're they're we don't hit that goal every day but i feel now you know with just just sam and i serving really serving our mission i feel like yeah completely liberated to take to take this this neighborhood wherever it wants to go next listeners i i wish you could see what i'm seeing the passion just emanating from our guest <laughs> Uh, hopefully you can hear it. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? For <laughs> me, I have like, my mom claims that when I was like four, I turned to her and was like, mom, I just want to sing and dance. And she really like facilitated that in me for like my whole life. So started out as a performer. I still perform, moved into like directing and, and producing and fundraising 
And honestly, for me, it is like the three-way relationship of energy and being any part of that exchange. So to me, it is the exchange of energy between two or more actors on stage, the exchange of energy between the actors on stage and the people sitting in the audience, and the exchange of energy between me and the audience person next to me who is seeing the same thing, but experiencing it in their own completely different way because we're two different people. And the sharing <laughs> of that sort of trifecta of energy, those on stage, those sitting next to you, and then seeing two people engage on stage is to me the most thrilling thing in the world. Like it is completely unique. It is unrecreatable through any other medium. You cannot have that same experience by watching a film. You can see the actors in the film, right? But there's not that actual energy of feeling another person in a space with you. So that that trifecta of exchange of energy is, is the most exciting thing about theater making. And, and regardless of which part I am playing in that trifecta, it excites me. If I'm on stage, it excites me. If I'm in the audience, it excites me. If I'm in the back of the house watching it all happen because I produced the show, that excites me too. So I really, to me, it is about the exchange, the exchange of energy between complete and utter strangers and how complete and utter strangers can share an experience. It's once in a lifetime. Every time it's different. Yeah, I think I think that's really, really beautifully put Sam. Yeah, and as a, as also a performer and multidisciplinary artist, I think for me, it is. I was having a conversation with a friend about this recently, and it is the idea that stories make meaning out of facts. So things that I feel as an artist so privileged that issues that I care about and things stories that I think are important and need to be told and people who I think need platforms, I as an artist feel. I have a a responsibility and a toolkit to turn that into content that can then create social change through empathy and through gathering in space and sharing something that is moving, funny, powerful, romantic, as opposed to just uh, text in black and white. So I think that's my favorite thing about it is making meaning with other artists beautiful james and sam you are both incredible storytellers and i'm looking forward <laughs> to your answer for this question which is what is your favorite theater memory i mean there's many i i think t t truly too many to list but one that was special for me i wrote a play that sam and i both also acted in called the diana tapes which was a documentary theater piece about princess diana true story of secret tape she recorded in the early 90s and it was political thriller it was one of the first shows we ever worked on we were babies and it toured the world you know we did more than 100 shows we did runs in edinburgh the fringe in toronto in providence twice in new york off west end in london you know we really we really toured the world with that show we did more like i said more than 100 performances but our opening night in London, which was, you know, a stone's throw from the palace where she lived and where these events took place. So already felt really heavy and important legacy to, to close our tour out in London. And then the, the gentleman I was playing in the show, Andrew Martin, who was a journalist who she was communicating with, came to the show at, to our opening night in London. And I met him. Thank God I met him after because I don't think I could have got through it if I met him first. 
and I was yeah. fucking shitting myself that I was going to be performing as this character in front of this person in a play that I wrote, right? So I couldn't even be like, oh, I know, sorry, the writing was, was like, well, it's like, no, I have to just, I just have to go for it. And I think, I, I can't remember now, but in the first scene, maybe like four or five lines in, there's a joke or, or a moment of levity. And I said it and I just heard, because I'd watched so many interviews working with the vocal coach to get his voice right. And I just heard his laugh like boom through this 200 seat theater. And I was like, thank God. It's, it's all good. And we met him that night and he was lovely. And we had dinner with him and his family and my family. And and I want to see some, someone else's family. I, like lots of us like all went for this big boozy dinner and closed down this restaurant talking for hours about Princess Diana, about theater, about journalism. So that was a really special moment for me. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was nuts. <laughs> that is amazing. Oh my gosh. One of, that's one of the better memories I've heard. So Okay, good, good, good. See, okay, if that if that's an advert for story time, we've got some <laughs> good stories to tell you all. <laughs> Sam, now, now you gotta follow that up. I know, it's <laughs> difficult. The I will say just a quick note on that. I was also playing a real person and I dodged the bullet because he couldn't come. So that really But his wife was there. But his wife and his family all came and they made me for the entire <laughs> hundred performances I had to have a goatee and then I had to have just a mustache and I had my hair slicked back because I was playing him like a sleazy book publisher and he's actually like a really nice gentle guy but I don't know I was directed to make him almost like Gordon Gecko level likes <laughs> it was just nuts so I was so happy he didn't come for me oh gosh I was in a production of Hair when I was in college, before when I went to Ithaca College, where I, I went first before transferring to NYU, I was living in Ithaca for the summer, and I was in a production of Othello, and I was in a production of Hair. And so it was this summer in like a magical, you know, fairy tale land that Ithaca is only in the summer when it's warm. When it's a cold, it's a fucking hellhole. But <laughs> in the summer, it's fabulous and really a beautiful place. And I was in this production of Hair and we were doing it in an outdoor venue. We only had three performances and the outdoor venue was the like amphitheater of like some school. And we had rehearsed all throughout June. I was Margaret Mead and I was also part of the tribe. And I had loved Hair for so long. I was so excited to be in it. And we are in tech, we're in the, at the amphitheater every night, and we get to the day of the first show, and it is pouring, like lightning pouring. It is so bad, and we don't know what we're going to do. We only have the rights for three performances, and we call up the school, and we're like, hey, it's raining, what can we do? And they were like, we have a theater but it was really sort of like a multi-use cafetorium kind of vibe and they were like you know we don't normally do this because your insurance only covers the amphitheater but uh you can do the show tonight in there and we got that call at five o'clock and the show was supposed to be at seven so we ran over there and like it was like guerrilla theater like I have never experienced like we did it in an entirely different space our microphones were different our stage manager was making lighting 
few changes on the fly. And we went from being an outdoor venue to an indoor venue that was like completely different. Our band had to like totally change how they did everything. All of our choreography was messed up because we couldn't go into the house. And it was insane. And one of the best shows I've ever been in. Like there was this chaotic energy that for another show might not have worked, but for yeah. hair was perfect. And like that night, the actor, other actors, like best performances of the run were that night. And it was, it was just, I don't, don't even have the words. The energy in that room was so exciting. And after we, we did the thing, we're just like, oh my God, we did this. And it was amazing. Like it could have been a total shit show, but instead it was like a, a truly unique once in a lifetime experience and and show and I will always remember moving that show inside. That is amazing. Both of you, what incredible memories. Seriously, <laughs> some of the best I've heard. Thank you so much for sharing. Of course. Thank you for asking. It's lovely to talk like this. As we wrap up this interview, I want to ask, are there any other productions or projects you guys have coming on the pipeline we might be able to plug for you? Yeah, we've got story time coming up. And then in June, we're going to be doing a, a fundraiser. Every year we do at least one fundraiser for other not-for-profits that are worthy causes. So we've done them for Planned Parenthood, for Period, for Puerto Rico Hurricane Relief after Hurricane Maria. And so this year we're going to be doing it for the Brooklyn Public Library and the book unbanned initiative which is giving you know digital library access to people across the country and the world as books are being banned again so that will be at the end of june no specifics on that yet but definitely keep eyes peeled and then we've got some really really exciting stuff planned for next season but i don't know james i don't know if we can talk about that yet no, I think I think we might be a little mysterious and, and hold off. What I would say <laughs> is we we did the piece recently, third law. A great, great team devised piece exploring audience agency through creating basically a digital game board in a theater that allows the audience to create art along with the artists, which was really we yeah, really fascinating process. We were curated for a brick lab residency, which we did in October. And then a workshop production at Me Too, Me Too Space in December. And we're we'll be announcing some exciting stuff about that soon, but I'm I have to be well behaved <laughs> and not say it now. So we will have to stay tuned for all that. Again, you guys are perfect for the lead-ins on the questions, which leads to my final question. If our listeners want more information about story time at the cell or about either of you, maybe they want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Best way is through our website, www.tns.org. Also through our Instagram account, www.tns theater with an R-E. Uh, those are definitely <laughs> the best ways to stay up to date. And if you really want to stay up to date, join our mailing list. You can do that on our website. You can shoot us a DM on Instagram. I would say those are the really best ways to, to stay in touch and up to date with what we've got going on in the neighborhood. James, Sam. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for sticking around long. I mean, I really could talk to you like all day. You both are just fascinating, You're wonderful storytellers. This this has been mind blowing. And I, I can't wait for your book to come out with everything that you've done. <laughs> I encourage our listeners to stay tuned to the exciting things to come regarding WWTNS as well as all the fun. I mean, you guys are giving back to the community. You're just promoting theater artists. You guys are just stellar. 
you just keep up the amazing work. So thanks, Andrew. My guests today have been the producers, curators, artistic directors, incredible artists, seriously, just amazing guys, James Clements and Sam Hood Adrian, who are part of What Will the Neighbors Say Theater Company, and they're presenting Storytime at the Cell. This is a show you do not want to miss. We will be there. Hopefully, we're going to be there all three shows, but their three shows are Monday, April 17th, Monday, May 15th, and Monday, June 19th. And that June 19th show, it's Juneteenth. It's going to be an incredible show. And all of these are at the Cell Theater in Chelsea. And you can get tickets and more information by visiting storytimeatthecell.eventbrite.com. And also make sure you check out their website, wwtns.org, or their Instagram at wwtnstheater, and that's theater spelled with an R-E. We're going to post all of this on the episode description, as well as on our social media. This is definitely a group that is worth keeping track of for all their great work. But seriously, everyone, story time at the cell. Don't miss it. It's going to be amazing. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.